This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You forget about hygiene so quickly. Yeah. So many people say, oh, I couldn't do it because I couldn't brush my teeth or I couldn't shower. No, you forget about that really quickly. I was going to ask you, do they, you brush your teeth? You don't, because I was like, they are not using a toothbrush. What's going on? So you don't no, brush your you teeth. you get nothing. I think that they t- they show you, you <laughs> could use a, a stick and then like kind of mimic brushing your teeth and that kind of helps. So I think I did that for a few days and after I'm like, screw it, here I am. Oh my God. So the, the physical you get used to. Let's take a breath. Hi guys, I'm Sydney Lodwako and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I share the mic with people you may recognize, experts in their fields, people I find inspirational, or people who make me laugh, like my fiance Nick, giving them a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I hope that you're having a great week, whatever day it is for you. We have a great guest on the podcast today. I had the pleasure of interviewing Erica Kasupanen, and I think that's how you pronounce it. I asked her a few times, but as a fellow Filipino, sometimes it's a little tough. Um, She is best known for winning Survivor. She is a winner, and Survivor's been on forever. I used to watch the show all the time, and the fact that she won is amazing she was on survivor 41 she's the first canadian winner and the first filipino winner and she's only the fourth woman of color winner in the show's 20 plus year history so she has a pretty amazing resume i was extremely impressed by her i also went on her podcast and what i love the most about this episode is all of the behind the scenes i was fascinated to hear just the little day-to-day things and i think it's so interesting how different survivor is from the bachelor like completely opposite they're both reality tv shows they're both somewhat competitive survivor obviously much more competitive they've both been around for years but they're so different how they operate from the day-to-day from the bathing from what their strategies are on the show from how they operate with producers there's just like so many interesting differences that I found so fascinating. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing all of that. I'm going to let her tell them to you. And I definitely know there were producers that worked on Survivor and then went on to do The Bachelor, which I just find very funny just to know about how different those experiences must have been and how differently they dealt with each of us. So it's a fascinating conversation if you're a Survivor fan or even if you're a reality TV fan. I just think that there's so much in this conversation that you're going to really enjoy. Erica's awesome and she's a freaking winner, which is amazing. I talked to her about like what that actually feels like winning a million dollars. And for her being from Canada, it's even more money. So how she mentally took that on. I mean, 
being gifted that much money, you have to feel like deserving of that in a way. So I find it really interesting, just like the mentality around the whole process, playing the game for that long, and then how they adjust to real life after a show like that. So I asked her tons of questions. Again, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. I think my something to share for the week is lately, the theme for me has just been trusting the process of everything. I have been one in the past to hurry up and get there, always wanting to be in the next place or always wanting to jump to the next goal or the next task or the next exciting thing. I have found myself right now, especially in a time of just like taking things slower, trusting the process of what I'm supposed to learn and the in-betweens more than those bigger moments. I have a lot of big moments happening in the next few months and big change happening in my life, but I've been really having to find those in-between moments to really enjoy and not always racing to the finish line. So I think my theme for right now is trusting the process of life doesn't always happen in those huge, exciting moments. There's so much magic and beautiful things that can happen in those in-between things because if we're always rushing to that next thing, that end goal, those huge life moments, then we're going to really miss a lot of the very special and still exciting things that are happening between point A and point B. That's what it is for me right now is trusting the process and enjoying the moment. I hope that you guys are well. Enjoy this episode. Share it with a friend, family, a survivor fan, reality TV fan. Send it their way. Tag us on social media at Something Share Podcast. And without further ado, guys, here's Erica, winner of Survivor 41. My last name's Latwako. People make it whatever they want it to sound like, but it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you speak Tagalog? <laughs> so my family speaks to me in Tagalog, and that was my first language. Okay. Yeah, it was my first language when I was a kid. And when I speak it, I really have to think about it, but I could watch mm-hmm. a movie or a TV show and be perfectly fine. Oh, that's good. I never learned it. I only learned bad words. Of course, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's, it was just my grandpa would say the one bad word and that was it, which was Patungana. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mo. <laughs> Which does not mean like the F word in Tagalog. I don't know exactly what it means, but I would know that if okay. my parents said it, that I was in shit. Yeah, every time. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Uh, we can get into more, you know, expletives via <laughs> Tagalog later. But um, Erica, welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to meet you. Like we were saying before, how are you today? I'm doing good. And thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me too. Um, Later, you're going to have me tomorrow, but we're doing like a little swap. So um, thank you for being here. Let's just go ahead and jump in. I have two initial questions, kind of like an icebreaker that I ask everyone. And it's to share an object. You don't have to physically have an object, but anything that would be from your nightstand, um, an object that's surprising or something that has an interesting backstory, anything that brings up for you. So on my nightstand, I have this iridescent napkin holder that's full of different journals. So I love journaling Uh and I have journals for different things. So I have one that's just me journaling my thoughts and what happened that day. And then I have another one. During the pandemic, I took all of these comedy writing classes, which is something I had never done before. So then I had this notebook by my bed and I would just write down just things I thought were interesting throughout the day. And maybe I could go back and I could write some comedy about them. I haven't done that in a while. So Mm -hmm. when you asked me to think about what was on my nightstand, it triggered, okay, I have to go back and do that. Then I have (laughs) another one that's like work ideas, but I feel like I'm usually always just scribbling something down and getting the thoughts out before I go to bed. That's a nice practice to have. Yeah. I've kept a lot of journals and I think I started journaling actually when I went on the show. 
Uh, do they let you keep a journal or anything with you when you're there? Or are you just like bare bones what you have on your body? We have nothing when we're there. And it's probably okay. better we don't have a journal because knowing that show, you're vulnerable if you write down what you're actually thinking because someone would go and find That's it. True. So we went a little nuts, but your people go through your stuff, which I found surprising. Like that is such an I guess the whole process of the show is an invasion of privacy. But yeah, I was like, oh, wow, we just have no rules. <laughs> we're going through people's bags. We're lying to each other's faces. That is wild. Really? It's one of those things where just the usual boundaries are not in place. But then since people have been going through each other's bags for so many seasons, then you play ahead of that and then you hide things. It's like a whole, it's a a, a crazy mind F once yeah. you get in there. Yeah. I, I also would imagine then after you leave the island because there's this weird thing that happens with reality tv once you like leave the bubble you like don't it takes you a, t a, a little bit to adjust to real life it would be hard for me to adjust back into the real world and know that i can't lie to people's faces anymore that people i can't go through people's shit like it's just an interesting thing that i'm sure you had to adjust to yeah i remember it was actually the morning that i was flying home from fiji so it was the day after i had won and i was packing my stuff. So I went out in front of the hotel room I was in and I'm shaking the sand out and I'm packing my stuff up and I'm just crying. Mm -hmm. And someone from the cast comes up to me and they're like, are you okay? Why are you crying? And I said, oh, now that I've won a million dollars, I don't think my family and friends are going to like me anymore. Oh. But the thing is, it's like, that's a game thought because in the game you get used to, if something good happens to you, then people will want to eliminate you. So it was so interesting to see how that oh, wow. game yeah. instinct, mm -hmm. like, um, infiltrated the way I was thinking because obviously my family and friends would be so happy that I won but I was thinking oh no no they're they're not going to like me anymore and they won't want to talk to me yeah it's like a lot of unlearning and like letting yourself feel safe again <laughs> after mm -hmm. being on the mm -hmm. show mm -hmm. that's so interesting one more question I have anything that's been on your heart or mind lately it can be related to survivor it can just be anything life related anything on your heart or mind Okay, so I'm normally very optimistic. And even when I was going into Survivor, you do all the psychological testing. Uh -huh. And my level of positivity was literally off of the chart. Really? The psychologists were like, you really over-index on being positive. But I don't know. I feel like right now, is the world like in its flop era? I feel like people are having a rough time right now. I feel like everything is expensive. I live in downtown Toronto. There's been issues with random acts of violence on public transit. People are really anxious. So I just feel like the world's in its flop era. And then I feel like I just see it coming to light in other ways. I feel like every time I go on social media, everybody's fighting. I feel like lately I've been getting a lot of people sending me mean things. Mm -hmm. And I know that everyone says when you go on reality TV, you, you put yourself out there and you're subject to that. And I feel like I was getting obviously a lot of stuff like that when the show was on. I got a lot of it when the show ended, but then I thought it calmed down. But then over the last week, I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody is just like making fun of the way I look or telling me that I don't matter and I'm irrelevant or once again, mm -hmm. telling me I shouldn't have won Survivor. So I'm like, oh, I feel like I feel like it's just a rough time out there. And I feel like I have a lot of compassion for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I hope that the world exits this potential flop era yeah. right now. I don't know. I just feel for everybody. Yeah. If you sound like a big feeler too, which is hard when you're put in situations mm -hmm. like that because you're feeling kind of everyone and everyone's feeling. So it's easy for you to put that on yourself or feel like you're being tested like it seems like you are right now. So yeah, it's tough mm -hmm. because if someone that is normally so positive – now is having to deal with like a really shitty situation. It's like, do I lean into the positive or do I feel my feelings? And like, 
you know, that's interesting that you mm-hmm. graded so high on that test. I, we had yeah. actually, I was curious if you guys did take that test because we had to take that as well. I think the test is to see if you're like a psychopath or if you want to like murder. So there's mm-hmm. like questions on there. Like, have you ever thought of killing someone? Like crazy questions mm-hmm. like that, that I'm like, what are, why is this necessary for a show about falling in love? I don't know. But then I'm like, do they use that test and that information about you, like the production or whatever, to get the things they want out of you? I'm, I'm just curious on what the point of that test is. But that's interesting that you tested yeah. so positive. <laughs> so it's interesting because I feel like for Survivor, one, they have to make sure, yeah, you're not a psychopath because we're all out there with nothing and we have a machete. So you don't want anyone who's going to potentially yeah. kill everybody. Okay. So yeah, makes sense. step one, get rid of those people. Okay. And then the other thing is I think that they look at them to try to figure out the dynamics within each tribe they put together. So they'll look at things like who is likely to get along, who's likely to be in conflict. When I did the testing, so they go through the results with me initially and they say, these are the types of people we think you'd get along with. And I'm like, yep, those are all of my friends. That's what my family's like. And they say, okay, these are the people that you won't get along with. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's true as well. So of course I show up on the island. All the people I normally get along with are not on my tribe and the types of people I don't get along with are all there. So I'm like, okay, I see. I see what they did there. And the other thing is when we're filming the show, we're obviously not supposed to talk about production, but then you can't help but talk about it. I actually had a conversation with a few people from the cast one time when we were filming and I said, okay, this test, what were your results? Mm -hmm. Mine said I was super positive. And I think that being super positive isn't something that people view as being threatening. So then since I shared that, then someone else shared, oh, it says that I'm really impulsive. And then another person said, oh, it says that I always feel the need to be in control. And I'm like, got him. I got him. They they told me. Be the key to defeating them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you're you're very smart. I guess the whole thing while you're there, you're playing a game. And it's even though you're having conversations about stuff before the show or your life out of the show or, or things like the psyche Val, you can use everything to your advantage. But then it's also like maybe I should just chill and like enjoy the experience. I guess you don't really get a lot of time to do that on a, a show like Survivor. Yeah, I thought that there would be more time where I was bored and I could just hang out on the island. But then on my season, especially, they reduced the number of days. Mm-hmm. So it was normally 39 days. Then in my season, they switched it to 26. And because of that, every day we were running a challenge. Every day someone was being voted out. So mm-hmm. I felt like it actually moved so quickly and I didn't have as much downtime to just, you know, like tan or enjoy the beach or anything. Mm, that makes sense. Why was yours cut so short? Was it a COVID thing or they just switched it up? They said it's a COVID thing, but I have a feeling that it's never going to go back yeah. to the full length anymore. They're probably like, I'm over being on this beach for this long. <laughs> let's just, let's keep this mm-hmm. going. Plus the thing that they did with you guys is they didn't give you food or rice, which... No. (laughs) What did you guys eat? Like, how did you figure that out? (laughs) We had, we were lucky. The beach that we were on, we could find food. Mm -hmm. So we ate this thing called breadfruit. So it was this fruit that would hang in a tree, but then it actually tastes like a tasteless potato. Mm -hmm. So it's just like a starch with no taste. And then we'd get coconuts and then we'd find crabs. So I never, it was just like such a weird situation to be in because I don't camp. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm like chasing a crab with my water bottle and then crushing it and then killing it and eating yeah. it. Yeah. The whole other side of you takes over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, I really like learned a lot about myself out there. <laughs> 
I would feel like I would find out I was on Survivor and then I'd be like, okay, well, I need to go take like a wilderness survival course. Did you have enough time from when you found out to like really prepare for the show? Well, you guys had like a gap year almost. So maybe you did have more time. But yeah, did you do any prep or anything like that before you went on the island? When I was supposed to be on the show in 2020, Mm -hmm. my preparation was so intense. I was I watched every season. I was taking notes. I was listening to podcasts about game theory. Mm -hmm. I think I was part of like I think I had three gym memberships. (laughs) So I was just working out before and after work. And my dad grew up in a rural part of the Philippines. So he showed me how to make fire. He showed me how to do some outdoorsy things. But the thing is, I was so ready to, on paper, go and play Survivor. But then obviously, because of COVID, it got canceled. And then it was a year of, okay, maybe it's coming back. Maybe it's coming back. Maybe you're still going to be on. And where I live in Canada, it was locked down for so Mm -hmm. long. Before I went to film the show, I still couldn't go to the gym. I still couldn't get a haircut. But then I also feel like because of COVID, I had a different mindset where, okay, I don't have full control over anything. Mm -hmm. You can't actually predict what's going to happen. What you can do is trust that you have what it takes to respond and get through whatever gets thrown at you. So I think that I had a different mindset going into Survivor when I actually went to film it. So even though on paper, like I wasn't in as good of shape, it had been a year since I had made a fire and those practical skills I had were quite rusty. I think that in terms of my self-confidence and in terms of knowing that I was capable of winning, that was way higher than the year before. Mm -hmm. And I think that that gap was what actually helped me to win. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like your maybe your physical wasn't where you wanted it to be, but the mental was there, which I feel like the, it seems like the game of Survivor is like physical, mental, and emotional. What would you say yeah. is the hardest part of those three things once you're in the show? I think that the physical you get really used to okay. really quickly, like even starving. Starving is weird. Yeah, It's not <laughs> like your stomach is grumbling. Uh-huh. It's just like you progressively get weaker and weaker mm-hmm. and you just can't pick things up towards the end. But you, you kind of get used to it and you realize everybody is like that. And also you forget about hygiene so quickly. Yeah. So many people say, oh, I couldn't do it because I couldn't brush my teeth or I couldn't shower. No, you forget about that really quickly. I was going to ask you, do they, you brush your teeth? You don't, because I was like, they are not using a toothbrush. What's going on? So you don't no, brush your you teeth. you get nothing. I think that they, t- they show you, you could use a, a stick and then like kind of mimic brushing your teeth and that kind of helps. So I think I did that for a few days and after I'm like, screw it, here I am. Oh my God. So the physical you get used to. I think that okay. the mix of the mental and the emotional because mentally you're you're in this situation where there's no stability. And I think especially with our season where they've tried to change the format up. Even if you were this huge mm-hmm. super fan of the show and you knew historically what normally happens, a lot had changed. So you can't rely on that. So you never know what to expect. Playing the game is a lot more complicated than it makes it seem when you're watching the show because you realize that there are okay. actually so many plans and so many variables. So it's really hard mentally, mm-hmm. but then emotionally, it's not like you're afraid you're going to break down. I think that the emotional thing that's mm-hmm. tough is there's usually a lot of stakes when it comes to being on Survivor because now they've been casting people who have been fans of the show since they were kids. So it's like everybody mm-hmm. is having their chance to have their childhood dream come true. And there's potential for mm-hmm. people to, in, in pursuit of you know having that TV moment, and becoming like an icon, there's the potential that like your ego could get in the way of you making the right choice in terms of staying in the game. So I think it's like the balance mm-hmm. of the mental and the emotional that's the hardest. 
also now where Survivor started, like there's this whole other element of social media that is also goes into it. Like your life after the show is an element of it. And plus how you're portrayed, which I assume would be even more to rationalize because we experienced that on The Bachelor, but we're not like also trying to play a game. We're like trying to date a guy. So it's a very different thing. So that is a whole other element that I'm sure was in the back of your mind as well. Like how you portrayed yourself or how you wanted to be represented you guys go through a lot when you watch the show you're like okay well these people are hungry they're doing their things they're like strategizing but there's so much more that's involved i want to go back to like you going straight from like the hotel or once you get to where you're in fiji to like actually being on the island going from the like your hotel to the boat, essentially. How long were you guys there beforehand? Because for us, we were in the hotel for like a week and like doing interviews and taking pictures and that kind of stuff. And then from there to getting onto the beach, what was that whole like dichotomy like? It was a long <laughs> process because of COVID. So mm-hmm. I, I live in Toronto. I had to fly to LA. So I spent a few days in a hotel in LA. And then we flew to Fiji. And we had to do a two-week mandatory government quarantine. So we we were at least in mm-hmm. nice hotels in Fiji. And then for two one-hour mm-hmm. time periods each day, we could go outside and quote-unquote exercise. But the exercise was we could okay. only walk around in this circle in this field. And we'd see the other castaways, but we couldn't talk to anybody. Oh, you and did. we weren't allowed to talk. So we were just kind of like huh. prison yard style walking around staring at each other for two weeks. Yeah. And then after that, that's so weird. It's it it was so weird because I think we had gotten the most exposure to other cast members before playing the game versus any other cast before us. So I think it's like you you kind of make mm-hmm. your judgments and you have your ideas about people. And then after yeah. that two weeks, then we go to this other island and then we stay in tents next to each other. But again, we're not allowed to talk. And that's when we do our interviews, take okay. our cast photos, all of that fun stuff. And that's another like I don't know, it was just over a week, like eight or nine days. So then by the time I actually had my day one where I filmed the show, I think that I was with production for almost a month before the camera actually started rolling. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. insane. Yeah, because you have this whole relationship with production and then you're like in this game. That is so interesting. I wonder if also that's like for a reason, because I I feel like with The Bachelor, us keeping us apart for so long, because you're like alone in your room, like begging for production to come knock on your door because you just like want to see another Mm -hmm. person. So then you're like in your head by the time you even get out into the house or they want you to be like so cooped up that you like go crazy once you finally see other people. So I'm sure that's there's some strategy to that, too. I have one more like dumb question on that. No, it's not dumb, (laughs) but let's do it. you pick your outfits to like go and like he's most I think this happened like way long ago but you end up with no change of clothes it's just like what you're wearing did you strategically get to pick what you wore or did production come by where like you're wearing this outfit I wouldn't necessarily pick a jean outfit where a lot of people have like jeans on I'm just curious about that just from how that works it's like a weird process so production tells you okay this is the color you're supposed to wear here are the Mm -hmm. type like this a certain number of items that you're supposed to bring so they're like bring one pair of pants bring one long sleeve bring one pair of socks like etc and then they say okay you'll send them in and then we'll look at them and determine which ones are good for you to be on the show and then if they don't work then we're just going to pick something but I think that since I had one I like love reality tv I worked in PR. So I was always dressing people for TV. And then I, under, I studied media theory when I was in school. So I'm like, oh, this isn't as mm-hmm. simple of th- I want to send them like quick dry stuff to wear on the island because like there's a lot more consideration here. So it was the consideration of 
okay, what are the colors I want to wear? What's my personal mm-hmm. style and how I want to express myself? But then also mm-hmm. what colors, textures, patterns look good on TV? And most importantly, mm-hmm. what's the character that production wants me to be? So okay. when you know how they coach you through the casting process and they kind of coach you on how to tell your story. So I'm like, okay, I think they want me to look eclectic to show that I have a a style that's unique to me I think they want Mm -hmm. to show that I look really young so I'm like okay Mm -hmm. I think they want me to look like a little princess so I submitted this (laughs) colorful maxi skirt and I think that people are like why would you wear a maxi skirt on survival like no 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 you want to wear a maxi skirt because then you have a blanket for when you sleep Mm -hmm. don't swim in it they made me swim in it on day one but it's good for when you sleep and I, I submitted things like off the shoulder tops and people were like why would you bring that I'm like it's linen so it dries so mm-hmm. I was lucky because most of my selections they chose the other thing is they you submit clothes that you wear on the jury and I was thinking okay oh, I'm going to submit jury clothes in the colors of the other tribes they can't force me to wear my jury clothes on the island but then what backfired okay. for me is they changed the color of my tribe but they're like oh your jury clothes are actually great so we'll just put you in those so part of my clothes I'm like oh shit I didn't want to wear this but there <laughs> this are is some a jury people- outfit. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I was, I know I was like, oh no, this was like a really nice top and now it's been ruined and I can never wear it again. <laughs> but there are definitely yeah. some people where if they submit something and production doesn't like it, then product, then they'll show up on day one and be handed a bag of clothes that they have never seen before. And I think that that's oh. where you get the people who are in jeans or are in like men in suits in dress shoes. Okay. That's so interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm like, why would this idiot be wearing jeans? Like that is the worst item to wear mm-hmm. when it's not going to dry and it's going to chafe and you're on an island. I don't know. I would be wanting those like cargo pants that unzip at the, at the calf and then mm-hmm. at the knee and then at the shorts. I don't know. Your strategy to all of it. They purposely wrote in the thing. Don't even try to submit those pants that zip up into shorts. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I want to oh wear those God. too. Uh, obviously I mean that makes total sense okay so they're just trying to fuck with you essentially from yeah. the beginning yeah. <laughs> perfect um one other question I have because uh, Jeff Propes he has been an icon for the entire time that Survivor has been on and I f- I find him fascinating I the same way people found Chris Harrison fascinating one he's so good at his job and just like watching him back and he's so good with like getting in your guys's head especially in challenges what was your perception of him when you're on the show because we- I found Chris Harrison like hilarious and like not what you saw on the TV. How was Jeff? And was it super annoying when he was like, Erica fell off the <laughs> the mat. She's sucking right now. Like he he's so good at that. Like what was your perception of him? I thought Jeff was great. Like Jeff is actually part of the casting process. So I met him when I was oh. going through casting finals. And before I even went to casting finals, one of the steps was I had to FaceTime with Jeff. So which was such oh, a Oh God. <laughs> That was like your childhood dreams coming true, but also horrifying. And the thing is, when I met him, I'm like, oh, I feel like I've known this guy my whole life, which in a way I have because I've been watching him since I was a kid. But Mm -hmm. truly, I think Jeff is awesome. I think he's amazing at what he does. I think that he still has a passion for the show and he still engages with the contestants, even when the cameras aren't rolling. I'd say the biggest difference between the Jeff you see on TV and the Jeff that you talk to in real life is when the cameras are not rolling, every other word he says is fuck. He's, he'll be like, oh, it's so fucking <laughs> That's hot how Chris today. Harrison was. Party. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Just, he was so crude. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I also know a big thing that happened with you from your time there was being exiled and having to go through that experience. And you had this like really beautiful moment with your talk about your family. What was that experience like? Because 
one, you're not fully alone technically because there is the camera crew there and then you are there with a the producer. But like, did that feel super overwhelming? And you did that towards the beginning. So talk me through like what that experience was like for you. I feel like I'm not the type of person who gets scared a lot. I think I'm always okay. like, okay, I can deal with it. You can see on my face on the TV show when he says I'm going there for two days and two nights, I am terrified. And, you know, when the camera stops rolling, they have to get me ready to go to this island, put me on like the boat to go to the island. And I am like a ghost. I'm terrified. And when I got there, I remember looking around and I'm like, there's actually nothing here. It's just a beach. There's either rocks on one side, rocks on the other, or one path that takes you to the very top of the island. And I was starting to climb it. And the producer was like, don't, because we're going to make you climb it tomorrow because we have to get footage of you there. And it's like really hard. So don't do it right now. Oh, my God. Well, up until that point, I think that I had gotten by through just like contributing to the tribe. But there were other people on my initial tribe who were really focused on making sure that they were the leader in terms of the living part of Survivor and getting food and Mm -hmm. maintaining the camp. So I was just, I would help out, but I was never the one taking a leadership in that role in that way. So once I Mm -hmm. got to this island and I put together the fire and I built the fire and I started making rice and it was the first time I had seen rice the whole time, I just had Mm -hmm. a breakdown and I started crying and Mm -hmm. I, I just couldn't believe that I was, I just remember thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be able to take care of myself. I'm going to be able to do it. And the nights were awful. It poured rain both nights and I stayed up both nights to keep my fire alive because you don't want the wood to get wet or else you can't make fire the next day and you can't eat. So everything is high stakes. But I think the biggest thing for me when I was on that island, I got paired with a producer who was someone who was around my age. She was also an Mm -hmm. Asian woman and Mm -hmm. she used to live in Toronto, but then now she lives in Vancouver in the West Coast. I found that out after mm-hmm. the show. And I remember when I like just made my fire and fell to the ground and started crying. Normally for reality shows, there's the confessionals that they set up. It's like a formal interview. And then I just see yeah. her slightly off camera. She just slowly lowers to her knees and she starts, she's crying. And she's like, how mm-hmm. are you feeling right now? And then mm-hmm. the camera crews around her are now are quickly putting everything together to turn this into an interview. But I think that mm-hmm. she was really the only person on that production who I felt like was like me and understood me. And I was able yeah. to have this vulnerable conversation with her about what it was like growing up as an immigrant and, and the challenges mm-hmm. that I witnessed with my parents and adjusting to this country. And I think that since I had someone like that there who understood that, I, I could really open up and be vulnerable. And then I had this conversation that resonated with a lot of people and it stuck out. So even though mm-hmm. that those two days were so t- terrifying to me, I think that I'm so grateful that I had somebody there who really understood me. And I think they could get the best out of me in a way that that wasn't really exploitative, like in a way where she really understood. Yeah, me. I definitely probably intentional that that was the producer that they chose for you. But it also sounds like such a beautiful experience that you did get to have because like one, you learned how much you can trust yourself and your abilities and how strong you actually are. And I feel like maybe as an immigrant or like someone that doesn't look like everyone else, that's not an easy feeling to feel. It's not a common feeling that you feel because you just feel like on the outside or like uh, misunderstood or like counted out Mm -hmm. a lot. Or like that's, I'm not an immigrant, but that's somewhat of an experience that I've felt. So I'm sure that was like a very big mix. Like it was a breakdown to build up. And I think that was a really beautiful experience that you get to have, which is honestly interesting about reality TV is that 
you get strip away so much of your regular life and mm-hmm. you're just like left with your thoughts and emotions and your feelings and you're being asked all these questions from someone like a producer. It's such an interesting thing that only really happens in this like little bubble of reality TV. It's so fascinating to me because I, I would experience the same things with like interviews with producers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then people would ask me all the time, like, does production like try to get stuff out of you or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes and and no. Like a lot of times it's just like a conversation between humans mm-hmm. and you are just feel vulnerable enough to share, which is like really interesting to think about because you're also being filmed and you know people are watching this. Mm-hmm. What you said was really beautiful and I'm sure it was like a really nice moment that you can look back on. How did your family, did they really appreciate what you said? Was it like something that you guys had discussed before? Like what was their experience watching you open up like that? I was really nervous to talk about all that Uh stuff after the fact. Like I said it all. And then I remember going home thinking, oh my God, did I say too much about my family? Am I going to embarrass them by talking about how difficult of a time they had? Parents are both very shy, especially my dad. He's very shy. Like if you talk Mm -hmm. to him, he'll talk. Otherwise he's a a shy guy. And I had watch parties every episode with my family and friends. And I knew that this was the episode before the commercial break when it said I was going to be exiled. My mom is sitting beside me and she's freaking out. She's like, what do you mean? You're going there by yourself. I'm like, mom, I'm sitting beside you. I survived. It's fine. But then as the segment's airing, everybody at this bar is crying. Like everyone is bawling. And then I remember at the end of the show, I usually go up and I say something to everybody. And I said, oh, Mm -hmm. like, thank you to my parents for being here and for helping me to get to where I'm at today. And my dad, again, very shy guy, stood up and he's like waving and he's so proud. And I think that it's tough for a parent to admit that they go through challenges and it's tough that Mm -hmm. those challenges then affect the kids. But I think for them, it was like a moment where all of the struggles they went to were validated and and they, mm. oh my gosh, I like want to cry thinking about it. But it's like they, everything they yeah. did got me to the point where I survived something that seemed impossible. Yeah, that's so special. I'm sure something that you hadn't verbalized to them before, but then getting to see one, you get through this really intense experience and like being so proud of you, I'm sure for that. But then also like how eloquently you spoke about their own experience and they got to see like, because I think with, with parents too, it's hard because they maybe don't get to see how the kids perceive them or all of their hard work and the things that they did for you. Maybe they, they don't get to experience how that affected you. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe they feel they could feel taken for granted or whatever. It was, I'm sure so nice for them to like hear you speak so highly of them. And like you said, all of the struggles that they went through, which led you to like being able to overcome such an insane experience. And then on top of that, you winning mm-hmm. at the end, <laughs> which is amazing. I'm also curious with Survivor because you get to the end and you ended up winning. When you get out of the experience and you come home with a million dollars and in, in Canada, which is even more money, <laughs> did you were you afraid that people would perceive you differently? I know at the beginning you said you're afraid that your parents would be like mad or something, but that was more of like the game in your head. Did anyone look at you differently or anything like that once you were outside of the show or were you like trying to protect yourself, anything like that? I think what was good is up until that point, I was only the second person and the first person was the person who won the first season. I was only the second Mm -hmm. person who found out they won before the show started airing. So I had this secret that I didn't tell anybody for months that I knew I was the winner. And I was like, okay, let me just in my head um, process this. 
the psychologists from the show told me I had to tell my own therapist because they're like, you need you need to talk to somebody about this. This is a big thing. So I think I was able to yeah. really kind of adjust to that. And what was good is I could talk to the psychologist where I'm like, am I going to be expected to pay for everything for everybody? Like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. So I'm like, I don't understand mm-hmm. the etiquette of now coming into this money. So it was good as I could talk. I had people to talk to and they could prepare me for that before the world found yeah. out this news. Where I'm so blessed and I'm so lucky is all of my family and friends have been so great. They've just been so supportive, so great. Nobody has really expected anything different from me. And even my mm-hmm. parents, like I, I wanted to help them out and, and help them, I don't know, like do what they needed to do in order for them to retire. And they were like, no, we don't want any mm-hmm. of your money. We just we want Aww. you to keep it. And we want you to just live and set yourself up for your future. The majority of people have definitely been so supportive and haven't treated me differently. There are some situations where I would think, okay, I think this person is taking me for a ride right now. Or I would have, mm-hmm. you know, like financial planners all of a sudden reach out to me or something. But then I think that I was mm. prepared to know that, okay, I have to keep a strong boundary against those people and mm-hmm. like just kind of focus on living normally and focus on the people who I have around me who are supportive. Yeah. It really shows you who people are when things like that happen. That's interesting that you say like your mentality around it. Cause I think money is so interesting where like sometimes when you receive money like that almost overnight, it's interesting to like bring yourself up to this like next level mentally Mm-hmm. And understanding like, oh, I, I earned this. This is my money. Like, I I deserve this. That's a hard thing to do when it's like so quick like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. And again, it says I grew up, my parents worked hard and we were very much just like making what we needed to to get by. I think that mm-hmm. I grew up and I had a money scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I think it's as I got older and I started working and be able to support myself, that was something that I had to kind of unlearn. And then I think that especially when I came into a lot of money, it took me a long time before I even spent any like any money on anything. I just like put it in investments. I let it sit there. And I think it took me a while mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, like, let me treat myself to this or let me treat my family mm-hmm. to this. And I think I, I'm actually still working through that and trying to find the balance between saving it, but then also like allowing myself to enjoy it because I earned it. Yeah, that's tough. It's so interesting how money will bring that out of you. But yeah, there's a there's a thing like money, a money mindset. And when you like see yourself as one way or you grew up as a like not having it and then having it, like sometimes you maybe want to hoard it or you like want to throw it all away because you're like, I don't this is too much for me. It's smart that you are working with like a therapist and people that you trust are in your corner because something like that could really be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you, for your sake, that you don't have that happening. <laughs> with the show and all the game playing and working directly with people in the social environment, is there anything that you learned about people or that surprised you or anything during your time on the show? You know what? The biggest surprise came after the show because I think I knew, okay, you go into the game, everybody wants to win. So we're going to do what we need to do to win. And then I thought, And maybe this was naive and maybe I can think this because I was the winner, but I thought, okay, the game ends and we can all be like, okay, we did it. We went through a hard experience together. Good game. Let's just move on and let's appreciate Mm -hmm. that we went through this crazy experience together. But then I realized it's, it's not that simple. I think because for so many people, this is so high stakes. This was a dream that they always wanted and people fell short in different ways. I think that everybody 
was carrying hurt and mourning. I think I was even mourning, to be honest. I think I was mourning the fact that yeah. I can never look at Survivor and something I love so as innocently as I did before. But I mm-hmm. think that what surprised me is, I think it's calmed down now, but when the game first ended, who were trying to play the game, to be perfectly honest, there was still like justification in the moves they made or trying to put down other people to make themselves feel better. And then I think that mm-hmm. I saw this especially play out when it came to post-show press, because there's a really active and engaged community of Survivor fans. And then everybody looks at post-show press to try to figure out exactly what happened. And then I realized, oh, mm-hmm. people are... And, and again, it's like no disrespect to anyone. I think it's like psychologically what we're going through. We're getting put through the ringer. But it's like, oh, people are using... Yeah just like different channels and different avenues to continue to play the game and and to continue to try to make themselves feel like they were on top. Mm. I think it was like a lot for me because I think I, I was just not expecting that. And I know that myself yeah. and um, like some other people from my cast, we actually opted out of doing any of the press that wasn't required of us. We were like, we don't want to get into the fray. We don't want to be put in positions where we talk negatively about people or have to address mm-hmm. negative things people have said about us. Yeah, I was just surprised that the game kept going. I think even with like not playing a game like Survivor with reality TV and the element of social media and having that much attention on you where you didn't have that before the show, like you weren't on TV before the show. So this is a whole new experience. It's really interesting to see one that how it affects you and how it affects like maybe your fellow castmates and how it affects everyone kind of differently. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting while all of a sudden attention like that overnight can like throw people in the different directions and make people do things that they probably wouldn't have never done before being on TV. Mm-hmm. And again, it's one of those things that helps you pe- see people's like true colors. I feel like now I feel for people who have been on any reality uh-huh. TV show because it's such a destabilizing experience. And then yeah, yeah, all of a sudden you this version of yourself that you have no control over is the one that millions of people are seeing for the first time. And I think that on Survivor where we're fortunate is we know that we are signing up for a game and we know we are signing up for a game where people are going to try to best each other and they're going to backstab each other. So at least that's on the table. Mm-hmm. I think that for other shows, like yeah. I'd imagine like The Bachelor, it's positioned as the mm-hmm. show where everyone falls in love, but it might even be harder because even though they don't say it, there's also a game there too. And I think that that yeah. could throw people off guard and that could be really damaging. It's very interesting because one, you are there to like fall in love, but then two, there's people talking shit about you on cameras and and in interviews and you don't get to see that until after Mm -hmm. the show air is airing so like you can have your own experience being on a show and when it's recorded and and your perception of how it it goes and then when you get to see it and how it's edited and what the story is it can be completely different and it can be eye-opening to some other things that were going on that you didn't realize were even happening at the time and I know you've been very like vocal about this part of it where you were not very happy with how your edit went as far as being the winner it seems like usually when you're a winner there's this type of edit that you get and I think that's the same thing with other shows Mm -hmm. too like once you make if you're someone that makes it to the end you have a certain edit because they have to tell your story in order to make it make sense for how you got to where you were but you've been vocal about how your story wasn't like that Mm -hmm. and I'm curious now being off the show for a few years, is there anything that you like understood to why that they did it like that? Or how do you feel about your edit and all that 
that happened after the show now. The day that the finale aired, I said my feelings were complicated about it. I think that even now mm-hmm. my feelings are complicated about it. I think that where I'm fortunate is what they did show of me on TV was positive. Like I was portrayed okay. positively. They could have easily had all this footage of me struggling to open a coconut and made me look like a dumb dumb. Like <laughs> I was there for the full 26 days. So I'm grateful that they didn't show, you know, like me getting coconut water all over my eyes or something. Cause I could have easily looked up. Yeah. I think at the same time, it's such a complicated one. I think that what Mm -hmm. I usually point to is with the Survivor fans who are so amazing and so engaged, they look at patterns in terms of how often winners are visible and the number of confessionals and the amount of screen time they get. And systemically, Mm -hmm. women and people of color are not shown as much as white Mm -hmm. people or men who win the game. And, and that's, that's mm-hmm. just like factually, like fans have tracked that. That's a fact of what happened. Yeah. So I think that mm-hmm. potentially, I, I think if people love to say that someone who is not chaotic on reality TV is boring. I'm sure that like so many well-adjusted people who have been on reality TV, everyone, TV everyone's like, oh, you're so boring. You're not dynamic. There's nothing to you. I don't know if that's something experience as well been there yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's like my exact experience and then it makes you go home and you wonder okay like am I am I boring am I not actually able to string together a sentence is it me but I think that there must be something that's happening whether it's intentional or unintentional I guess unintentional where certain stories they seem to have difficulty telling them interesting some of the like descriptions that you gave I felt exactly the same once I left the show I was like well they really didn't show me at all or they didn't really like break my story down I was more of a narrator which is fine and I felt like what they showed of me was good so I I should just be happy with that but it is frustrating like you have again your own experience filming it and you felt like oh I opened up here I said this side of my story and I hope they showed that and especially with being the winner and getting to the end you would think that your story would be told but to feel like a little gypped from that is frustrating I'm sure it's there's a lot of reasons why those things happen. And one of the things that I did feel when I was on my season, this was like pre-COVID when I did The Bachelor, but I felt like I was just like a representative of my, I'm half Filipino. So like I'm a mix, but there was one other Asian girl in the house and she went home night one. So after she went home, I was like, well, I'll be around for a while at least. Like that is my experience. Like I'm here to play this role. And I felt like that for most of the season, which it is what it is. Um, and I know you've also been open with that as well. Like, did you feel that while you were like, on the show, maybe recording it or like how they edited you? Did you feel that experience at all? I think that if I had played in 2020, I think I would have been on this mission to prove something about women of color. Because the other thing mm-hmm. that fans have, again, the wonderful fans who always love to pull up the data, Asian women. Uh-huh often don't make it past the merge. I think it's about a 50% Hmm. chance if you're an Asian woman, you're going to make it past the merge. And often the Asian women are the first people voted out of their tribe. So who who knows why this pattern exists? Maybe there's some unconscious bias, but it's interesting. There's always like a like patterns in terms of how other castmates talk about Asian women as well by saying that they're sneaky mm-hmm. or they're too smart or they're too strategic or whatever. And I was, I, I had that mm-hmm. happen to me too. In 2020, I would have been like, I'm going to prove something. But then of course, with the pandemic yeah. and realizing everything is fucked and I just have to trust mm-hmm. myself. I had a different mindset going into filming the show the year later where I thought, okay, I'm just going to work with what I have. I'm going to use the life experience I have mm-hmm. to inform how I'm going to play the game. And the best Mm -hmm. way that I can be a representation for the Asian community is through being myself 
And if I win, I win, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be on my terms rather than trying to prove something about this group. And I think the the crazy thing is that through that mindset, I actually ended up pulling it off. After my season, Mm -hmm. there's been a few seasons of Survivor now, the pattern persisted in terms of the Asian women being voted out before the merge. I just last, so Mm. at the time of recording this, just last week, once again, one of the Asian women castaways was voted out pre-merge. And I think that people Mm -hmm. like to say, oh, but you can't say that it's unconscious bias or something because Erica just won the whole thing a few years ago. So it's obviously not that. And I, I, for me, I think don't let my win, which is the exception, excuse that there's a pattern Uh there. You're playing a game. It sounds like your mentality around it. You weren't so focused on like, oh, I need to represent this for my race and do all this stuff. You were just like, no, I'm going to be myself. And this is what, how I want to play the game. And this is how I want to show up to this, to Mm -hmm. Survivor instead of like leaning on that, maybe your mentality too played into it. There's so many levels, but yeah, I find that very interesting, especially when you look at it as data. I mean, you can't, the data, the numbers speak for themselves, you know, I'm sure things can continue to change, but I'm glad that you were able to represent that for people because I'm sure that was really powerful for people who see someone that looks like them being able to win. I'm sure it was really beautiful too. I'm sure people told you that with the way fans are always telling you how they feel. Yeah, and what they yeah. Think. <laughs> no, I think that that's definitely been the best part. I definitely had, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people tell me that they didn't think I should have won or told me that I suck. Um, but I, I always mm, think of fun. the messages where it's people who have said that for the first time they were able to see somebody like them win. And the story that really sticks out to me, it was months after the show ended, this woman DM'd me and she said, hey, I'm also a Filipino woman. I had this job for a long time and I have always wanted to be a writer. And then after seeing you on TV and seeing that you won, I was inspired to quit and finally pursue my dream of writing. So here are links to articles I wrote. You could read them or not read them, but I just want to say thank you for showing me that someone like me could have her dream come true too. And I was thinking like, oh oh my God, like me, I just couldn't believe that me being there, doing my thing, doing what I needed to do to win actually changed someone's livelihood Mm -hmm. and someone's life. It's so humbling and I'm so so grateful that I got the opportunity to do that. Oh, that's so nice that she reached out to you like that. Yeah. When you watch a show like this, you could just watch it and like, it's just the game. People watch it. You know, it's a fun thing to do on Wednesday nights now. Yes. Yeah. It was a big deal when it moved to Wednesdays. Because I remember every Thursday night we would make homemade pizza and watch Survivor. Anyways, it's oh. yeah. You Some people <laughs> would watch it and just be like, oh, it's just a game. It's fun. It's drama, blah, blah, blah. But there, it is nice when you get stories like that and say like, oh, I actually like affected someone's life by just being myself. Like that's super, super powerful. I have one more question before I wrap this with your experience on the show and getting to the end and all of that. Like, is there anything that you learned about yourself? One. And then two, how did you apply like the things you learned and the person that you were on Survivor? How are you taking that now into real life and what you're doing? I feel like I have so much more trust in myself mm-hmm. now. I think about me before Survivor and after Survivor, because mm-hmm. I feel like, yes, in many ways, I'm the same, but I think in a lot of ways I changed. I think before Survivor, I was working in PR. I had worked in PR for 10 years. It was a career that I didn't even really enjoy, to be honest, Mm -hmm. but then I fell into it. I was good at it. I kept going and I kept thinking, okay, like this is what I should be doing. Through being on Survivor and playing truly based on what I felt was right for myself, Mm -hmm. regardless of how that looked and regardless of how I've seen people play and how I've seen people win in the past and seeing that, okay, me trusting myself and me knowing that whatever I bring to the table is enough Mm -hmm. and how that made something seem so impossible come true. 
I think it's it's changed the way that I view myself now. I think I realize I don't need to limit myself. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm capable of whatever I want to do. And the world is like my oyster. And it's not just because I won Survivor, but it's because now I, I really believe in myself and I really trust myself. And I think that being on a reality show, it can easily tear apart your sense of Mm self-worth. I think especially watching yourself on TV, seeing the way that you can get torn apart on the internet, Mm -hmm. it can really make you question who you are and what you're made of. And I think I'm really lucky and I'm really grateful that I was able to come out of that and say, no, you know what? I think I'm, I'm pretty awesome. Yeah. So I feel like now I have a lot more confidence to go after the things that I want. That's so powerful too. And then when you take that into your real life, you can truly be unstoppable. And then when you doubt yourself, you can remember, well, I made fire by myself on this Island. I won survivor, like people doubted me, but here I am. So that is so nice that you have that experience and then you can share that with other people and hopefully they can take what you experience. They don't have to actually go on Survivor and like starve to death, basically, and mm-hmm. do all that to mm-hmm. feel the same way about themselves. So it's really beautiful. Oh yeah, there's an easier way to get yeah. to that conclusion, everyone. You don't, you don't have to do that. Yeah, some, sometimes you have to go to the extreme. Sometimes you can just learn it by watching. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. Thanks for doing that for other people. <laughs> um, my final questions I have is one, what do you want to be known for slash remembered by from your time on the show or just in general? And then one last piece of advice. I just want certain people who have never seen someone like them win before feel like, you know what? I think I, I think I can do it. Mm-hmm. I think that I am worthy of winning. Um, and not everybody needs to think that, but as long as there's a few people, then I'll be happy. And then a last piece of advice. I think that a piece of advice that helped me going through the game and I think now is really know yourself and know that the good and the quote unquote bad is all part of the recipe that makes you. Everything is worthy and everything Mm -hmm. is what you need to have the life you want and to make it happen. And you shouldn't be like ashamed of any part of you and you shouldn't feel like you're not good enough because you got it. Beautiful. Thank you for that. What was the most surprising thing about your experience there? Like something that was shocking to you or anything like that? So what's the biggest shock? I think that one, okay, you don't encounter as many animals as you think you will. Mm. I think that I was afraid of like animals coming to get me at night and you like literally never see anything. Okay. And then the other thing is you actually stop smelling each other because we all start to stink and we all kind of take on this group stinky smell. But then- If there is somebody who you can smell, you know that they smell really bad. So there was one guy on my season and I remember being out there and I'm like, this guy smells awful. And then afterwards I ended up um, becoming friends with some of the producers. And then they were like, yeah, I think that he was the worst smelling person we've ever had on the show. (laughs) So I was like, I guess that's an accomplishment in itself. (laughs) No, I also think about them too, is, is the producers because they're not, they're showering still. So it's like they they still smell you guys. So I can't imagine that. But anyways, continue. Because we have to wear microphones during Mm -hmm. certain parts of the show. And I'm like, oh, these poor people who have to get up close to us and put on microphones. And then the other thing was, so what it's actually like being hungry is when you're sitting down or you're laying down and you get up, all of a sudden, like the world is spinning. And then I needed to take 10 seconds to get my bearings before I could take a step and go and do something. And when I came back from the show, I was so out of it. Mm. And during that time in Canada, when you entered the country because of COVID, you had to stay in an airport hotel for four days. So I just went through this crazy experience. And then I had to sit in a hotel room by myself for four days. 
And my parents came to pick me up and mm-hmm. I was so out of it. I didn't recognize my parents. I just like walked <sighs> right past them. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Because you're pretty much malnourished <laughs> when you leave. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Oh, it's so fascinating. I feel like I could ask you a million more questions, but I'm going to let you go. Where can everyone find you, Erica, your podcast, all the things that you have going on? I'm on Instagram. I'm Erica underscore Cass. Same thing on Twitter. And my baby right now is my podcast. At the beginning of this year, I launched a podcast called Happy to See Me. So you can find that anywhere you get your podcast. And I will be interviewing Sydney soon so you can hear me chat with Sydney. Yes, I cannot wait. It's going to be great. Um, Thank you so much for this. I will see you soon, Erica, and have a nice day. Thank you. Bye. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, follow, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And in the spirit of sharing, be sure to share the podcast with a friend or give us some love on social media and tag us at Something to Share Podcast on Instagram. See you next Wednesday.